The scripture reading this morning will be taken from John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts away every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I am him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from you, you can do nothing. Excuse me, apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thank you, Alan. Good morning, church. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Open your Bibles there to, or keep your Bibles open there to John 15, and we'll meet there in just a few moments. I look around and there's some holes of those missing, about 50 to 60, who are up in Kentucky on the youth retreat this weekend. And they're having a great time. They've been blessed with great weather. And I want to encourage you to pray for them as they return home today. It was interesting. I've never been to Mammoth Caves, but yesterday morning we went over to those caves. And... We only got to take the short trip, but in that short trip, we go down in this huge part of the cave. I mean, it's, it's like almost standing in this room right here. It's that high, it seems. And we're down there, and it's dark. They have it lit, and Dustin says, uh, let's, let's gather up down here, and let's sing some songs. And we sang a few songs, and, and there were other people there. And it was interesting that some of our group noticed, especially when we were singing Amazing Grace, and it was echoing off that wall, those walls, that other people, as they walked up, they began singing as well. And it made me think that, you know, when we're willing to shine as lights, people take notice. People notice, they hear and they see. So I want to encourage you to pray for those uh, that will be returning from that retreat uh, this afternoon. I want to share with you some things this morning from the book of John chapter 15. And there's a lot of things here in this text that we don't have time to unfold this morning. Uh, but there's some things that I want us to notice about this text that Jesus is sharing with these <coughs> listeners and I want us to take and look at these things and then apply them to our lives. And I have something I want us to do at the end that I want, I want it to be a challenge for each and every one of us. One of the things about what Jesus is doing here is He uses um, a, an illustration of something that these people would have understood. Uh, for example, it could be that Jesus is walking by and He sees a picture like what you will see here on the screen. He might see a picture of, of these vines. 
And he might be pointing out those vines. Or he might see another picture, another illustration like this. And they will see these vines and he begins to talk about these vines. And you see, he uses this illustration because the illustration of the vine is something that would have been known to those people, to those individuals, to the listeners of that day. It, it was a common way of, uh, of working, of making money. They would use these vines and they would uh, make money that way. Uh, vineyards were everywhere in uh, that modern day Palestine. And so for Jesus to use something that they were uh, accustomed to, that they knew about, oh was something that they would understand. And so he says to them, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser, and you are the branches. Someone has said that the vine was also an emblem of Israel. Very much like the eagle is an emblem for us. And it's even used in Scripture. Uh, to, re- to, re- to mention about Israel in Psalm chapter 80 and Isaiah chapter 5. And so Jesus refers to Himself as the true vine. Or the, true, uh, the true vine and you are the branches. True means genuine. Jesus is the genuine, real vine. And of course He's talking about His relationship between Himself and the disciples. And wasn't it Jesus that said in John chapter 10... In verse 10, if, if he's the true life source and he says of himself, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Isn't it interesting that people in our world, they're looking for, they're looking for real life. They're looking for abundant living. And Jesus has already declared, if you want abundant living, it's, it's in me. And the world searches for that daily. It could be something as simple as us setting an example. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Of people seeing us bow our heads to give thanks to God. And a number of things, that ways that we can do to show people the true abundant life. And so Jesus says, I'm the true vine. My Father, He's the vine dresser. You know how... The vine dressers come and they take care of these vines that you see here. That's my Father. I'm the true vine. You are the branches. You see, every vineyard had an expert that would come and prune and take care of the vines. And God is that expert. And so today I want us to look at just two reasons, two reasons that every Christian, every child of God needs to abide, Jesus said, are connected. The the word abide means to remain. It means to, to stay connected. And that's what we want to think about today. Staying connected to Jesus and why we need to do that. I'm reminded of a story of a small town in Texas. One year their local school Burned. And there were about 200 lives lost, all because they did not have a sprinkler system. And so, as they began rebuilding this school, they put in the latest and greatest in technology in sprinkler systems. And as they 
gave tours of the building to show the new school and to show how they are taking care of people. Look at the greatest and latest technology in sprinkler systems. I mean, it's the latest and the greatest. And they'd go around and they would point that out. And even back in the, the main central closet where that would take care of everything. And they would show that off. And they, I mean, we have the latest and greatest. You will be safe sending your children here. A number of years passed by. And they wanted to add on to the school. And so they began to add on in the school, but in the process of adding on to the school, they realized the sprinkler system had never been connected to the water source. The latest and greatest in sprinkler technology, and it had not been connected to the water source. You and I, today, have the latest and greatest connection to the power. If only we will make the connection and stay connected. If we don't, then we are in danger of being cut away, Jesus is going to say, and burned. Jesus says in verse 2, here's our first reason. Being connected to Jesus helps us to avoid separation. It helps us to avoid separation. Jesus said, Every branch in me, verse 2, that does not bear fruit, He, the vine dresser, the Father, takes away. Why is it important that we stay connected? Because I don't want to be taken away. Taken away from, from whom? Who's this separation from? The vine. Jesus. I don't want to be cut away from the vine. Then what do I need to do? I need to stay connected. I need to make sure I'm connected to Jesus and stay connected. If He is truly the life source, it's absolutely a must that we stay connected to Jesus because if we don't, we can be cut off and die spiritually. I want to share with you this story I came across about how Satan keeps Christians from Christ. The guy writing the story says, Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his evil angels, he said, We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't keep them from conservative values. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, abiding, connecting relationship experience with Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power is over and is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles. But steal their time so they can't gain the experience in Jesus Christ. Here's how I want you to do this. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection through their day. But how shall we do this? Shouted one of the angels. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent numerous schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spin, spin, spin and borrow, borrow, borrow. 
Convince, uh, convince them, the husbands and wives, to go to work and work seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their families fragment soon, their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice. Entice them to play uh, the radio, uh, to listen to music on their electronic devices and on the computer. Constantly in their homes. And see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays music constantly. A distraction. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. And invade their driving moments with all these billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail and sweepstakes, mail order catalogs, and every kind of newsletter and promotional offering free products, services, and false hopes. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from it exhausted and unprepared for the coming week. Don't let them go out in nature. Send them to amusement parks and sporting events and concerts and movies instead. And when they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave with troubled consciences and unsettled emotions. Let them be involved in soul winning, but crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek power from Christ. Soon they will be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family and unity for the good of the cause. Well, in the end, as the story goes, it was quite a convention. The evil angels, they were eagerly going to their assignments, causing the Christians everywhere to get busy, busy, busy. To rush here and rush there. And be distracted with this and distracted with that. That's an interesting story, isn't it? What if that story was true? How is Satan doing? How are his angels doing in culture today? You see, it's important that we stay connected to Jesus. You say, in, in, this, in this example, Jesus is talking about himself, the Father, and his followers. And those who do not bear fruit, He's going to say, they will be taken away. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in Me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So what about us? Are we close to being cut off and burned? Or are we bearing fruit? And that fruit can look like a number of different things in our life. It can be the fruit of righteousness in our life. Doing what's right when, even when it's hard. Uh, I remember a statement that I came across. It, it was either in a lesson or a class. Being kind when the circumstances are unkind. 
You see, that's bearing fruit. Prayer, all kinds of things we could talk about. Are we bearing fruit? You see, every one of us need to say, be connected to Jesus and stay connected to Jesus because it helps us to avoid being separated from Jesus. And then look at the next thing, verse 2. Being connected to Jesus helps us to be involved in multiplication, bearing fruit. And every branch, verse, the second half of verse 2, that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You see, bearing fruit carries with it the idea of, of adding, of multiplying, of growing, of ourselves and of those around us. And Paul used the idea of bearing fruit as it related to faithful Christians. And what is Jesus saying? I'm the vine, God is the vine dresser, you are the branches. He says that to his disciples. The principle can go over into the church. You, my followers, are the branches. Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verses 4 and 5. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Colossians chapter 1, verses 6 and verse 10. We can see it again, Paul writing, Which has come to you, as it is also in the, all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. Verse 10, he says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, we don't do the good things that we do for our glory. When we do things, it's for God's glory. It's to bear fruit. It's to encourage others be connected to Jesus. Someone wrote this. Listen to what they say. We must remember that the branches do not eat the fruit. Are you with me? Others do. We are not producing fruit to please ourselves, but to serve others. We should be the kind of people who feed others by our words and our works. The lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 21. Reminds me of a story I came across from 1921. Lewis Laws became the warden of Sing Sing Prison. No prison was tougher than Sing Sing. And when Lewis Laws became warden, he made changes there that lasted years and years to come. But you see, when he was asked about the transformation that took place at Sing Sing Prison, here's what he said. I owe it all to my wonderful wife, Catherine who was buried outside the prison walls. You see, when Catherine Laws was the young mother of three, people would say, don't go in that prison. It's too dangerous. 
But what did Catherine do? Catherine would march our children into that prison where her husband was the warden and march them into that gym and sit on those bleachers and watch basketball games and other events. And she would talk to those inmates and she developed relationships with those inmates and she helped them. She taught one of them who was blind. She said, have you ever read Braille? What's Braille? And she taught him to read. Others in all kinds of needs like that, she helped them and she served them. In a sense, she showed them Jesus. But Catherine got sick. And she later passed away. The next day after she passed away, Lewis didn't come to work. And so the acting warden took place and the prisoners, they knew something was going on. They knew something was up. There was some sort of problem. And finally they learned of the death of their beloved Catherine. And on the day of her funeral, remember she's buried outside the prison. At the gate along the walls, there were lines of prisoners with tears down their eyes, down their faces. And the one in charge said, Okay, I'm going to let you guys go and pay your respects. But he said, I want every one of you to be sure to check in. Then he opened the gate and a parade of criminals walked without a guard the three quarters of a mile to stand in line to pay their final respects to Catherine Laws. And later that day, every one of them returned. Because Catherine Laws bore fruit. And so many others were able to enjoy that fruit. You see, we could go to Galatians chapter 5 and we could read about the fruit of the Spirit. And I encourage you to do that. We could go to Matthew chapter 7 and Ephesians chapter 5 and read about knowing the difference in good and bad fruit. And I encourage you to do that. But Jesus says, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Stay connected to me so you're not cut off. Stay connected to me so that you can grow. You see, the Bible tells us that the vine dresser, the Father, those that are bearing fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You ever cut your bushes back? Your trees? Why? Why do we do that? It's not the harm the tree, is it? It's so that it will bear more fruit for, so new growth will come out of it. And that's what the Father does to us. Uh, To purge means to make clean, to get rid of anything undesirable. You see, the vine dresser would prune branches for two reasons. So that all, first of all, so that all dead wood must be removed. And secondly, that live wood must be cut back. It doesn't sound like an easy process and it's not. Count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the working of your faith, the trials through the working of your faith produces perseverance. Your faith grows. You begin to bear more fruit. 
Someone said, because God loves us, He prunes us and encourages us to bear more fruit for His glory. If the branches could speak, they would confess that the pruning process hurts, but they would also rejoice that they will be able to produce more and better fruit. So we ask this question, am I bearing fruit? On the retreat, we had a gentleman that uh, came and spoke to us by the name of Matt Miller. And Matt talked about his life and he had a rough life. And he talked about his background and where he came from and it was rough. If you heard some of the stories he shared with us about his lifestyle, you would think, man, this guy has had it bad. But yet here he is now preaching Jesus. And as he told his story, I thought to myself about the people in Scripture that encountered Jesus. I think about the woman caught in adultery. Jesus was able to look her in the face, right? Look her in the eyes. Woman, go and sin no more. The woman at the well who had had a rough life, she sought all the wrong things in men. And Jesus was able to look her in the eyes. I think about those apostles as they sat there with Jesus, spending time with Him, even, even partaking of that Passover. And I think about him looking at Peter and looking Peter in the eyes and saying, Peter, I know you say you'll go to the death with me, but before the rooster crows, you're going to have denied me three times. No, no, no. Remember when the rooster crowed? I love the passage in Luke because the passage in Luke says, Jesus turned and looked at him. And as Matt Miller shared his story, I thought about what if Jesus was looking at me? What if I made eye contact with Jesus? And I realize this is not the real Jesus. But here's what I want you to do. And I'm going to get out of the way. And I want you to look in the eyes of Jesus. And I want you to imagine... What Jesus might say to you today, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you need to be connected to me today? If so, what are you waiting on? All the distractions that are going on in your life? Do you need to be connected to me? What are you waiting on? You see, because it comes a time when the Father, the vine dresser, those that are not connected and not bearing fruit, they're cut away. 
What would Jesus be saying to me today? Well done, good and faithful servant. hard to think about that, isn't it? It's hard to look in the eyes of Jesus because as I sat there and I looked when I paused I wanted to say I'm sorry. For the times I've let Satan distract me with people, good people, with things, good things, my relationship with you, Jesus. Because I don't want to be cut off. And I know that there are trials in life. And I know that we can grow from those. And those are not pleasant experiences. But I want to be able to bear more fruit. I want to be connected to Jesus, the vine. And I want to make sure I'm doing that every day. If you could look in the eyes of Jesus, what would He say to you? What would your response be to Him as together we stand and sing?